Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. So today we're in Proverbs 9, but before we go there, let's go to God in prayer. Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this day. And I just pray, Lord, for you to be the one that guides us to this reading. I just pray that your, you, Holy Spirit, would open our hearts and our minds, our spirits, and let us hear you and your wisdom. Nothing from me. I just pray that you would be the one that we hear and that you would be the one that touches us and that we would enable or open our hearts and our spirits to be fully willing and an empty vessel for you. So, Lord, I lift up this time to you and pray that we would bring you honor and glory, that we'd have the right attitudes, and that we would listen well, and that we'd do your will. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, before we get into the the chapter, um, it's only 18 verses, so it won't take a long time to read, but I thought it made sense to read from Ken Hughes in the Preaching the Word commentary. He has some really good insights, um, quite candidly. Spurgeon doesn't cover much in Proverbs. There's a lot of gaps. This happens to be one of them. And and even Tozer doesn't cover a lot. So I thought uh, when I was reading this to get some insights before you know the podcast, I found it to be very helpful. So I thought I'd just share it with you since we have such a short chapter. So let's get started. So he writes, as we come to Proverbs 9, we are confronted with a choice. The passage portrays two houses, one on either side of the road. One side, on one side, a house stand, stands open with an elegant lady named Wisdom inviting us in. On the other side of the road, another house stands open with a seductive lady named Folly inviting us in. Which way will we turn? The right answer is easy, in theory. We are often told today that all we need is the right information. If we will do the research on the internet, we will know what to do next. But in reality, we are running back and forth between these two houses all the time. The right choice is obvious, but we ourselves are complicated. So before we jump into Proverbs 9, we need to understand two things. First, we have histories. We are no longer blank slates. We have scribbles and erasures and misspellings and doodlings written messily all over us. In fact, we were born complicated. We are born with a bias towards folly. We were born guilty. Theologians call it original sin. And it is real. I'm sorry, I lost my place. It explains why our wills are unfree. It explains why even obvious choices can be difficult or impossible. Our hearts are corrupt down beneath the level of choice. So just knowing the right thing to do is not always enough. Indeed, our problem is still worse. Add unto our underlying depravity the layer of scar tissue, so to speak, from the sins we have committed and the wounds we have suffered, including scar tissue from botched surgeries, mostly self-performed. All of that complication is the real you and the real me, poised here at the crossroads of Proverbs 9. This is the unsimple you and me from whom, for whom an obvious choice can be paralyzing. But that is the real you and me God loves and understands and wants to help. So when you think about it, I mean, that to me really struck home because so often the, the decisions or the choices are obvious. Things I need to do in my life, it's like super simple to understand. Hey, don't drink so much. Don't swear. Don't do this. Don't do that. Improve this. Do this and do that. That is actually better. 
and I rebel. I don't do them. They're obvious, and I know that if I would do them, it would be better for me. But so often I don't do that. In fact, most of the time I need God's help to go and actually accomplish them, to do the right thing, because the reality is, is I'm flawed, and I tend to, to lean towards doing the dumb thing, the wrong thing, the thing that's bad for me. Why that is? At times I sit there and will say, I don't know, but I know. It's because it's how I am. I want to do the thing that is easiest. And sometimes it's not even easiest. Sometimes it's just the most rebellious. And that's what I feel like doing because I'm pissed or I'm happy or I'm I'm whatever, right? It's like, I just want to do it. And so I think about that and I, I read this last sentence, but that is the real you and me God loves and understands and wants to help. That last part wants to help. God never gave up as we read throughout all through Genesis. And as we've read through, you know, all the scriptures, think about the, the disciples. God didn't, Jesus didn't give up on them, even though they said, said and did so many dumb things. Think about the leaders of the church of the ancient church, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Those guys weren't great guys, but God didn't give up on him. David was not the world's greatest guy, but he didn't give up on him. He continued to walk with them, love them and guide them. And they continued to search for him. So let's go on to the second point that Ken talks about. Second in the gospel of, in the gospel, God addresses a second, sorry. Second in the gospel, God addresses the real us in a new way. We have already seen this in Proverbs. The word son or sons appears 22 times in Proverbs one through eight. That word from God tells you who you are in Christ. That word of grace opens up your future. It makes the wise choice here in chapter 9 not only possible, but joyous. Again and again, God looks you in the eye and calls you his beloved, in whom he is well pleased for the sake of Christ. The Bible says God is treating you as sons, Hebrews twelve seven, not as losers. The Bible says Christ is not ashamed to call us his brothers, Hebrews 12, or 2, 11. The Bible says, and stretching out his hand towards his disciples, Jesus said, here are my brothers, Matthew 12, 49. How can you define yourself out as a reject when God has already defined you in as a child and therefore an heir of every promise he has ever made? William Romaine, the Anglican pastor during the Great Awakening, taught us how to see ourselves in a new gospel way. Consider your state. You are a pardoned sinner, not under the law, but under grace, freely, fully saved from the guilt of all your sin. There is none to condemn God having justified you. He sees you in his son, washed you in his blood, clothed you in his righteousness, and he embraces him and you, the head and the members, with the same affection. Christ has come to the real us to say, I'm changing the subject from your failure, your impasse, your defeatedness, to my grace. We are humbled, we are encouraged, and now we're ready to read Proverbs 9. You see, we have that human element of sin and rebellion, which makes the wise decision difficult at times. But with God's grace, because we are his children, we can make the right decision. So let's read chapter 9, verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has set up its seven pillars. She has prepared her meat and mixed her wine. She has also set her table. 
She has sent out her servants, and she calls from the highest point of the city, Let all who are simple come to my house. To choose who have no sense, she says, Come, eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes the wicked incurs abuse. Do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they'll love you. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. These verses always strike me as difficult for me because at times I am that mocker. There have been times when I've received rebuke and it's been righteous and it's been right. And yet I'm still a jerk and I pop off. I think about all those times as a kid and as an adult. And I'm more ashamed of the adult ones than I am of the ones when I was a kid. Verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom your days will be many and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mo- you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. Folly is an unruly woman. She is simple and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house on a seat at the highest point of the city, calling out to those who pass by, who go straight on their way. Let all who are simple come to my house. To those who have no sense, she says, stolen water is sweet. Food eaten in secret is delicious. But little do they know that the dead are there, that her guests are deep in the realm of the dead. <clears throat> Quite the comparison. One gives you life and continued wisdom and, and insights. The other promises you time with the dead. Fellowship with the dead versus life and, and reward. Quite the uh, comparison. Anyways, with that, let's go, let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for this time and thank you for this day. You are so merciful and graceful or full of grace. And just I'm in awe that you love me and care about me. And Lord, I lift up this time and I just pray that you would be honored, that you would help my heart and my mind and my spirit to fully understand what you want us to know. I just thank you for your word. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that this would be a word from you that these words that have been spoken would be yours. Anything that's from me, I just pray you'd block it out, to minimize it, and make what you have to say, your insights, your wisdom, truly what we hear. I thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.